Welcome into another edition of Region Roundup. I'm James Boyd here with Mike Clark, bringing you more region news, more region fun. And Mike, how are you doing? Well, James, I'm doing well. Um, and I just, just for our listeners, uh, on behind the scenes here, um, James and I do a little text back and forth to talk about what we're going to talk about um just so we make sure we don't miss anything and james i just realized we also have the start of illinois football so that's gotta go somewhere here as well um but uh i'm doing well um and uh it is good to see the snow going away it's not entirely gone but uh it's starting to feel a little bit um less wintry which i'm glad for and i'm sure you are too as you're driving all over the state of indiana these <laughs> yeah. last few weeks oh my um, god I, so. I, I i turned in my uh my log uh, mileage log for uh february and this is only like part of february i think it was from like the 11th on and had over a thousand miles miles <laughs> uh, you know going from place to place i had to go to indy twice and that really racked up the miles but wouldn't change it for anything. It was pretty pretty fun week, and it's, it's the time of the year where things get crazy and winter sports, but I enjoy it. Right. And we're going to start out um, by patting ourselves on the back, um, patting James on the back in particular. This is, uh, this is a big deal. This just literally came out minutes before we uh, started recording here on it's Thursday morning as we record this. Um, Associated Press Sports Editors, uh, released a list of their uh, awards today, and James is on the list twice in our circulation category. I think there's three circulation categories. We're in the middle class, um, class B. Uh, James is uh, receiving awards for uh, projects and all, also for long-form feature writing, and uh, this is a big deal um, for listeners who may not know all the background of the times has a very long history of uh, being honored by APSE um, you know and this is uh, a continuation of that I mean this goes back 25 years um, when we have been winning honors through uh, you know a variety of uh, uh, staffs obviously um, <laughs> I guess uh, and I'm not saying this you know, to pat myself on the back, but I'm, I guess I'm the only one left who's uh, part of that link to that earlier era, but which, you know, means, you know, that I'm still around more than anything else. But um, it, this is great news again, uh, because it kind of reinforces, we think we're doing a good job, and uh, you always like to be recognized for the work that you do, and especially in this year, as we talk about, I mean, it's the constant theme of the podcast is how different this year has been and how challenged everyone has been. Um, athletes, coaches, athletic directors, fans, uh, support staff, and the media, too. Uh, just how do we navigate covering sports in this area? And it's not just the pandemic. It is also the, uh, the reckoning that this country has faced um, in terms of coming to coming to terms with its past um you know in the area of racial justice um in particular the you know the events uh, of last summer um last year with uh, george floyd uh, brianna taylor 
Mount Arbery and so on and so forth. And uh, one of the things that we have done is recognize that sports is part of the world we live in. And the world we live in is not something that's off to the side somewhere and we just ignore it. Um, we recognize that sports intersects with that world and uh, we've tried to put some context on some of the events that have happened um, again through the pandemic and through the, the nation's kind of re-examination of its history. And uh, we're so proud of the fact that our efforts in this area have been recognized and Congrats to you, James. Um, this is, you know, really a great honor. And I'm so happy for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, the uh, long feature that has been, I guess, nominated for the top 10, which, which will be released in, in order uh, probably about a month from now, um, was a long feature I did on Victor Christian's Luke Savage. Um, I reached out to him and his family. I believe he's in the armed forces now, so he probably won't respond right away but i'll reach out to his coach and, and, and people that i know are close to him and let him know because uh, that's awesome you know you can't do these types of things or be recognized as a writer if you don't have anything to write about so i i thank his family for welcoming me uh into their home and, and a crazy part is mike i'm looking at the the date for the story it was march 8th 2020 which was the sunday after the last sectional uh, you know, before everything shut down so I mean it, it's just crazy to see where we are a, a year later but this is something definitely positive I, I woke up today uh, to some messages that started kind of coming in and I was like what the heck is going on like I'm not this famous um, and, and so <laughs> that's that's kind of why uh, and then the other one uh, was like you said projects and, and that was a project that um, you kind of pushed me to do um, we, we called it Open Dialogue where I spoke to a few people in the region about uh, what's going on in society. This was around the time that uh, a lot of people were out protesting the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. So I spoke to uh, uh, Bo Patton from Maryville, the first African-American head coach at Maryville Boys Basketball. Um, uh, Dominique Nelson from Calumet, first black head coach at their school for their boys basketball program. Um, Calumet football coach Rick Good, who's a, who's a son of a police officer, but still um, was able to kind of uh, display that you know, or, or really express that there should be some changes, even though his, his you know, his father backs the blue. He was saying there that there's obviously some some things that are going on that aren't just. Um, so I appreciate his perspective. And then the, um, I believe the final one I did was with Andrean Grad uh, and, and Goshen Guard uh, Colin Flowers, uh, just a younger voice, honestly, who who's, who isn't afraid to speak out and has been supported to speak out by his coach and um his school so uh it's like a four-part series um uh, i encourage you all to check it out um i'll probably end up like creating a something to throw up on the website so everybody can kind of see um all the articles in one place but uh yeah i'm really proud of that work mainly too mike because like you alluded to we, we really um try to emphasize that what we do as reporters isn't just always about sports you have to kind of factor in what goes on around that but two um the the projects when we were in the middle of a pandemic i mean we're still in a pandemic but you know what i mean like everything was shut down and there was nothing really to write about so in that downtime where we didn't have live sports um you know me and you and our, and our team kind of got together and uh brainstormed what the heck we could do to fill the paper um on one end and also to fill the paper with good content so 
I'm really proud of that work. Um, you know, where it's gone, who's read it. And um, Aaron knows this, but uh, my sports editor, Aaron Ferguson, we were on the phone, Mike, uh, at like midnight, the night before the APSC deadline. <laughs> because in true journalistic fashion, um, you know, we had to just wait to the last minute to, to get it done. But we got it in. I'm proud that the, the Times have been represented. Um, I've had folks reach out to congratulate me for my uh, my college newspaper, The Daily Line. We had, I guess, three um, people that, that won some APSC awards today, um, three DI Sports alum. Um, and then also, I mean, just representing The Times. I, I love the region. I love what I do. Um, and, you know, I don't do it for awards by any means, but it's definitely cool to get recognized. And then, you know, I, I guess the, the best part about it is, Mike, when I got the news, I... Uh, I ran downstairs uh, at my house here and my mom's working and she's, she has this like desk set up in our, in our living room. Uh, she's been at for about a year now since so she's worked from home and uh, I started dancing in front of her computer screen. Um, and, you know, and I'm always like dancing and acting silly. So, you know, normally she's like, you know, she's like, you stop doing that boy, go sit down. I'm trying to work here, blah, blah, blah. And so uh, I, I, I showed her, uh, you know, I think I showed her my phone and what I had won and, you know, she gave me a fist pound. So, uh, shout out to mom. She she calmed down for a little bit and let me be silly. Um, she says that I float through life, Mike. I tell her that uh, floating is better than struggling. So uh, I'm trying to well, enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. The other thing, I hope you uh, let your grandma know too, because uh, she is uh, someone who needs to know about this as well. So hopefully, oh, I will. I will. She'll she's be proud. she's at, she's on your list too. But uh, yeah, again, great news. Um, we definitely. We'll be trying to uh, pull out uh, all that work, uh, so readers, please keep an eye out for that. Uh, just so you don't have to go searching for it on our site or on uh, our Twitter feeds, but uh, we will definitely try to be getting that work back out there so everyone can see again um, uh, how important that work was. Um, and moving on, um, we had some massive news last Saturday night. Um and uh, this is the culmination of uh, your coverage of uh, Crown Point Girls basketball really over the last few years. But uh, Crown Point Girls won state. They're state champs again for the first time in 36 years since 1985 when they won back-to-back. And uh, one of the... You know, I mean, I'll let you talk about the game a little bit um, against Brownsburg, uh, including some of the crazy stats, including Crown Point holding Brownsburg scoreless in the second quarter. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I really liked about the coverage last week is uh, your story about uh, Scott Reed and Tom May. Tom May, of course, was the basically the the guy who put crown point girls basketball on the map as their coach uh, during their early successes back in the 80s and 90s um multiple trips to state multiple state championships scott reed is the guy who ties it all together from past to present um and uh, in true 2020 slash 2021 fashion he battled covid as well so that was really uh enlightening story i thought and you know i know we talked about it a little bit you know after you filed the story and um tom may is uh is a legend uh for you know for good reason we talked a little bit i think last week i guess about my story about you know going to see them play in a blizzard one year (laughs) um you know so but it's uh you know i'm not sure 
we can even um, put it into words how important something like this is to a community, uh, especially right now with everything mm-hmm. that's going on in the in every community with you know with the pandemic you know seemingly um, easing, not gone, but certainly easing up. But uh, you know to have something for the community to rally around and crown point definitely rallies around girls basketball as you know so um a very cool story and i guess you know folks i hope you read all of james's coverage it was uh, complete and uh extensive but uh we can't run all of it down here because we don't have enough time but you know maybe if you could just hit some of the high points of, of, of the weekend and the week for you yeah, I mean, it was it started off by going down to, to media day, uh, the Monday of that week. Um, so I was booking with uh, two indie trips uh, you know, that week. But it, it was fun. I mean, it started off, the first story I did was about um, Crown Point's Jessica Carruthers and, and Brownsburg's Allie Becky, two of the state's best guards, um, and, and sort of their matchup going into the final. Um, and it lived up to the hype. I mean, Allie Becky came out on fire, Mike, like, First of all, Brownsburg, by all measures, you know, probably shouldn't have been there. They were eight and ten at one point in the season, but they won nine. Uh, no, they won. Yeah, they won nine straight to get to the the state final. And um, Ali Becky came out and scored fourteen points in the first quarter on six to six shooting. Um, it was unbelievable. I, I, the way they had us seated for the media, we were right in front of a like a Brownsburg uh, or right behind rather a Brownsburg section. And it seemed like every shot, she was just like, you know, I really was thinking like, wow, am I witnessing like the ultimate Cinderella run? Um, because Crown Point had no answers for her. She she literally um, just put her team on her back and was hitting shot after shot. And I was like, wow, this is the stuff of legend. Like it was it was unbelievable. Um, and then obviously Crown Point ended up pulling it out because of a crazy second quarter where they didn't let Brownsburg score a single point. A single point. So um, it's kind of funny. Like the Crown Point had fell behind in their last three postseason games in the first quarter, um, and I believe by double digits each time. And then it's like they they make an adjustment. Like for example, in the state championship game, instead of uh, you know, I guess playing one on one defense against Ali Becky, they started to just kind of blitz her off the screens uh, and just try to get the ball off her hands. And after she gave it up. That's when the game um, kind of went in Crown Point's favor. Uh, but definitely, I mean, the, the two guards match up, lived up to the hype. Allie Becky had 19. Um, Carruthers had 25. Um, I was having this conversation with someone earlier this week. I think it was Aaron. Um, and people can debate whether whatever they would like. But I think even as a junior, there's an argument to be made that Jessica Carruthers is the best player in the state. Um, now, granted, she has a lot of talent around her. I mean, it helps to have a 6'4 Purdue commit and Lily Stoddard guarding the basket. But I, I, I feel like she deserves that recognition because I watched her, like you said, for her entire career. I got hired when she was a freshman, so I've seen her kind of grow up um, as I've grown up. And, man, she, she is unbelievably, like, big time. And, and I mean that. Not in a cliche way, like in big games, Jessica Carruthers is like 99% of the time at her best. The only time I haven't seen her at her best was when they lost earlier earlier this year to um, Class 3A state champion Silver Creek. And even in that game, she was still very, very good. But um, I think she missed like 5 out of 12 free throws or something like that, which never happens with Jess. 
Um, but yeah, it was overall a great week. Like you said, I, I got time to talk to uh, Coach May, Coach Reed, um, uh, two guys who have a million stories. Um, one you'll get a kick out of, Mike, I, I think, is I talked to uh, Coach Reed, and he played for Coach May. And I said, what was it like playing for him? And then, you know, going on to work with him and coach with him. And he said, well, he's like, well, you know, Coach May would always yell at me whenever I caught the ball on the outside. And I looked to shoot because I couldn't shoot well. Um, so he'd, uh, you know, he'd ask me, like, what the hell are you doing? And so he said uh, he didn't shoot much. But then uh, Coach May said uh, Coach Reed made up for it by just running people over and getting the rebound uh, whenever anybody missed. So uh, he's kind of their defensive guru. Um, they still use a lot of defensive principles that Coach May has now. And Reed has kind of bridged that gap between the old uh, old, old Glory Day team and the team now. Um, but, yeah, I can go on and on. Um, Jessica Carruthers, she's a second state champion in her family. Um, joining her older brother, Johnny Carruthers, who won one with Andrean two years ago, um, which, ironically, is, is the last boys basketball state champion um, from the region since we didn't have a, a state championship last year. And then the last thing I'll say is Jason Willey from out the IHSA. He got his start by being a Crown Point statistician back in high school when he attended Crown Point. And um, all these years later, you know, after basically documenting those, those first two, two state championship teams in the 80s, uh, he gets to see the third state championship team years later from a different perspective. So um, all those stories are on our website. You can check them out. Um, I enjoyed the week. And, and the craziest part is, Mike, and I'm sure you can relate, when you get to these deep playoff runs, the, the easiest day is usually like game day. Uh, I mean, the game is the game, but it, the stories leading up to it are really fun to do. And, um, yeah, like you said, Crown Point was really proud. I mean, at the end of the game, you could hear the We Are CP um, chants pretty loud in Banker's Life uh, Fieldhouse. And uh, the only weird part about it was doing Zoom interviews afterwards. I mean, I had done on-court <laughs> interviews with, with everyone all year, and then you get to the championship, and you can only talk to two players. Um, normally, yeah, I probably would have grabbed, a, a, you know, maybe three, you know, yeah. you know, but it is what it is. I, I understand what's going on. And overall, I'm proud of what we did. We had videos, we had photos, we, you know, we had me writing, tweeting, um, and we did our best to, you know, basically make it, you know, so that you were there as best you could if you couldn't attend. So uh, overall, great weekend, great season and girls basketball in general. And um, I'll just say stay tuned for our all area selections and, and coach of the year and things like that yeah and uh with girls done boys is boys playoffs are in full swing and we had some crazy results already and it's not even the sectional finals yet. it's <laughs> not even it's not even the sectional semifinals yet actually these are first round games um uh valpo chesterton we talked about this a little bit last week about how uh how crazy it was for them to be playing the first round and they kind of lived up to expectations with that game and also don't forget about Bowman do not sleep on Bowman um, they've got the history and uh, you know they've played a tough schedule this year they're under 500 you know we talked about Brownsburg coming from under 500 going all the way to the state finals I don't know if Bowman's going to go to the state finals but uh, they came up with a pretty big win this week too yeah, um, we'll start with Valpo and Chesterton. Great game. A true rivalry game, Mike. I mean, uh, every shot you felt like a, a fan next to you either lived or died. Um, <laughs> you know, that was kind of the, the reaction that you got because it was a very tight, tight game. Um, you got some big-time performances for some unlikely guys. I mean, Michael Flynn from uh, Valpo, uh, you know, he, he's a reserve for them, came off the bench, hit two really big threes um, in the third quarter when Valpo was down seven. 
to help him get back in the game. And then um, uh, Roland Sorek, another uh, role player for them, he, he had a four-point play during that run to help them re- take the lead on, on Chesterton. Um, and I really thought at that point, I mean, Chesterton was up seven in the third quarter at home. I thought that they were going to, you know, put some – I thought that distance um, was going to help them pull out a win. But, um, no, Valpo roared back. And then from that point on, it was back and forth. And Valpo actually stretched the lead out a little bit. And then they had another guy on Chesterton, Tyler Vanderwood. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, he hit three threes in the fourth quarter, Mike. And each one, like every time you thought, okay, Valpo's up four or five, then he'd hit a three. All right, Valpo comes down and scores. He hit another three. Like, it was just unbelievable, the shot-making down the stretch by both teams. Um, and like I said, true rivalry game, um, you know, fan sections, uh, people cheering, screaming, yelling, um, you know, refs screaming, yelling. I, I, you know, I mean, not refs, not the refs, but the coaches. Um, and uh, it was a great game. One thing I'll point out is um, many people thought that was a championship game. Uh, it remains to be seen. Obviously, you don't want to disrespect any other teams that are left, like Crown Point, uh, Lowell, Portage, and others. Um, but, I mean, that that had to be one of the best uh, you know, opening round games of the tournament in the state, in my opinion. Um, and it, the, the craziest stat is that Chesterton had won 30 games in a row on their home floor. Um, it's not. It's technically not a 30-game home winning streak because they had a few tournament games on their home floor, but you know, more or less, that's what it is. And you know, Valpo snapped it. Uh, you know, with the two-point win, so it was. Uh, it was crazy. It was. It was. It was truly. I mean, everything you hear about Hoosier hysteria. Um, I thought it lived up to all the cliches and, and 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 then some. And then, like you said, Bowman. I mean, Bowman. I've seen them play the last three years since I've been in the region. They play up or down to their competition. Um, just speaking honestly, um, so you never really know what team you're gonna get. But they usually get up for the big games. They had a big game yesterday with Andran and um, Karan Davis, their all-time leading scorer. Uh, he hit a few shots yesterday, Mike, and then turned to. Uh, the Andrean bench one time and told him like, you know, this guy can't guard me. Um, and he wasn't lying, Mike. Like he wasn't lying. The kid was going off. He had 33. Um, I've seen him play a lot, a lot in a lot of games. I've seen him play, uh, score a lot of points in, in games. I saw him go for 41 earlier this year. And, but that was the best game I've seen him play because he was efficient. Um, and he trusted his teammates. He gave the ball up when he had to, when it was closing time, he closed the door. He scored 13 points in the fourth quarter. Mike, he hit like, he had a three from the NBA range with about two minutes to go. That was more or less the dagger because um, it was a 55-53 game. He had a deep three to make it 58-53, 50, uh, and then they were able to gut one out. And um, after the game, uh, Coach Tyrone Robinson, I feel like whenever I talk to him after a Bowman game, win or loss, it's always like the most dramatic game ever. So he says, uh, you know, he said his players are going to like, you know, uh, give him a few more gray hairs earlier than usual, but uh, he was pretty happy about the win. Um, and then just to put things in perspective for the Andrean side, um, this senior class was was you know was here when they won their state championship in 2019, um, and three of their their top players this year: Deshaun Burnett, Nikki Flesher, um, and um, and uh, uh, Ben Jones. Uh, they were uh, they were vital parts of that state championship team two years ago. Um, so uh, Coach Brad Stangle is pretty. Uh, emotional, just talking about how much they meant to the program, how sad he's going to be to, to see him go, and you know, not being able to to, to go go on another run. I guess this year, 
But um, more you know, either way doesn't take away from what they did two years ago, which was pretty incredible. Um, and like I said, Johnny Carruthers was leading the way, um, just his older brother. So it's it's a lot of like full circle moments this week. But um, I saw two really good two really good ones. And the one thing I want to throw out there too, um, Bowman's gonna play Ileana Christian Friday in a, in a Whiting semifinal. And Ileana Christian has a kid, uh, Logan Van Essen, who's a stud. Mike, the kid is six foot, um, and he threw down three dunks yesterday. Uh, fast break dunks, and they were all two handed. And the last one looked like legitimately like a Derrick Rose type of dunk. <laughs> and I've seen him play the last couple of years, and I asked him, I was like, "When did you start dunking?" Because like he's supposed to be the shooter, and he is. He's a very great shooter. So that, that's like the label on him. So when he like got on fast breaks and just started like throwing them down, and I'm like, "What happened?" And he told me that uh, over the summer he had a job where he was lifting a bunch of boxes and stuff. His legs got stronger, and he started working on his legs. And now he's like this freakishly athletic, like leaper. Like seriously, it. Was, I mean, I don't think anybody there outside of their program expected him to dunk and repeatedly dunk. I mean, these were not like wide open dunks. The first one was, but the last two people were chasing him, and I guess he said, you know, come get it, and he went and dunked it. So, um, and the significance for that win is that Ileana Christian that was their first uh, playoff game in Indiana since they moved over from Illinois, and they got they got a win in their first uh, IHSA playoff game. So. Um, they're excited about that, and they're hoping to keep their first playoff run going. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the rest of the uh, sectionals, sectionals just because you never know what you're going to get. You know, these are the moments where, you know, you become a, a legend at your school and, you know, you'd be able to write your name in history and things like that. So um, I'm really interested to see also which teams are able to pull out sectional titles that won sectional titles last year, and hopefully I'll be able to, you know, get their perspective next week on, you know, a year later being in the same position you were last year. And and then I guess knowing this time that you'll, you know, have a chance to hopefully finish it out, you know, barring any COVID-19 interruptions. Yeah, that was crazy last year too, as you know, folks will remember because they didn't cancel the regional right away. No, Um, there was, they put it on hold for a while, um, hoping that, you know, something would turn or, you know, we did, there's so much we didn't know about the pandemic at that point. I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing to think back on, you know, we thought that, okay, well, maybe we can start up again in a month. Not so much. Um, not only do we not have the rest of the boys basketball playoffs, but the entire spring got canceled as well. So, um, yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, one of the things that, uh, I think we'll segue to this here, um, so while you were covering basketball, I was back out covering basketball again, too, on the Illinois side, and it looked very different from what you saw. You saw a lot of fans yeah. in the stands, a lot of noise, a lot of energy, um, not 100% capacity, but certainly enough to make it feel like more like uh, the typical uh, high school basketball experience. Mm-hmm. I covered it. I covered a couple of games last week. I actually covered one game the week before that, too. But um, I covered the TF North-TF-South rivalry game last Saturday. And uh, I covered the TF-South girls game on Monday. And uh, I think we mentioned this last week, maybe in passing, but uh, there are strict attendance limits in Illinois right now. Uh, The South Suburban Conference, which TF North and TF-South are in, do not allow visiting fans at all. And uh, the home teams can set their own policies, basically. Uh, Fans uh, and TF South um, has set uh, 
two tickets per player. So basically, um, you know, we're around a couple dozen fans, and uh, then you got the two teams. Obviously, you got uh, you know the, the game workers, you know, the clock keeper, the the scoreboard, or I mean, the, the scorekeeper you know, who's keeping the, the the scorebook, and then uh, they actually have had a PA announcer um, for the few fans on hand. And, you know, there's a, you know some athletic department staffers, obviously too. But I mean, probably less than fifty people in the gym. Um, each time, and uh, especially for TF North, TF South, I've seen a lot of these games over the years, although none since about 2007, and uh, to see this rivalry again for the first time is, it was really surreal. I mean, TF South's got a pretty good team this year, they're 8-2, TF North is kind of in a little bit of a rebuilding mode, they're, they're, they're not having a great year, but I mean, it's always, it's always been a great uh rivalry um two district schools you know so separated by like two miles on burnham avenue basically uh they call it the battle of burnham uh, avenue um you know for basketball and football and it's uh, to see this you know it's, it's so strange and of course the players are wearing masks everybody in the gym is wearing masks as well including the players again and uh the interesting thing to me about TF South boys and girls both play very fast. Um, they press a lot. Um, they run up and down the court, and the kids are wearing masks doing it. You know, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me again. You know, something that I've observed over covering high school sports for a long time, and I think you've seen it too. You know, um, you know, in your career, it's like kids are very adaptable. Mm-hmm. It's like you know. Kids, kids are much more adaptable than adults are, and the kids are like, "Well, this is what we got to do." So we want to play basketball, so we're going to wear masks. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of that matter of fact, basically. You know, they're so glad to be playing, and it's going to be a short season. They're only going to be playing thirteen games, um, actually, and it's going to be over in two weeks. Um, so it's actually a little bit more than a week from now when we record this. By the end of next week. The season will be over um, for Illinois basketball, except for the public league, which is going on another week. They got a allowance from the state of Illinois, but or from the IHSA. But yeah, it's it's just so crazy. And I mean, you know, but the thing that again strikes me: everybody is so happy to be playing, mm-hmm. even even a thirteen game schedule that's over in a few weeks. Um, even wearing masks, even with no fans in the stands, everybody wants to play sports you know and that's kind of the message that you know we try to get out there too in our coverage is that we try to portray that experience and what it means i know that you know you've talked to a lot of kids um that was actually another one of our series that we did you know uh extended spring break um about the kids who suddenly had nothing to do last spring so um now all those most of those kids are back in action again in various sports and you know again to see kids just basically being happy playing games is uh it's not we're not back to normal but that um just that fact is makes it feel more normalish i guess so um yeah uh you know, and I know that, you know, it's been a tonic for you, too, just to, you know, I mean, you know, we talk about the long days and the long rides and everything like that. And 
but I know that, you know, it feels like, you know, you're kind of energized when you see these kids getting out there and, and doing their thing too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's what it's about. That's what kind of keeps you grounded. I mean, the goal myself personally that I have is always to uh, meet their effort with my same effort in reporting. So they're going to go out there with masks on, like you said, and, 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 and run up and down and, and, and give everything they have to try to win a game in a season where they don't even have like a, a postseason. Um, you know, I, I think that we should do that. We should do our, our due diligence. And I think we have. And we'll continue to do so. And I also saw um, via your Twitter feed that you were out at a football practice. Um, so maybe you can speak a little bit more about the uniqueness of seeing football this time of year. Right. Yeah. As we speak, this is Thursday morning again. And uh, my high school football practice started yesterday, Wednesday. Uh, and the first games are a week from or two weeks from tomorrow. March 19th, um, which is a crazy speeded up schedule, especially given the fact that there wasn't much conditioning going on. You know, usually the run up to a usual season for everybody is, you know, you have, you know, athletes, uh, if they're not playing spring sports, you know, they're out, they're, they're doing some conditioning work, you know, and then in the summertime you have contact days, you know, and then you have a little bit of a break and then you start real practice and there's Long, there's more of it than leading up to the first game of the season. Well, now everything is going zero to a hundred. And uh, there's a story um, that was in Wednesday's paper. Check out our, our website, my Twitter feed, uh, about Isaiah Lewis, who is the quarterback, starting returning starting quarterback for TS South, which made the Illinois Class Seven A playoffs in 2019, and he is also one of the key players for the TS South Boys basketball team that I mentioned is off to an eight and two start. Uh, he's going to be very busy for about two weeks, um, shuffling back and forth. There's some days he's going to be practicing both. Some days he's going to be playing a basketball game and practicing football. <laughs> you know, if you can believe that. Um, but he's he loves it. Uh, he can't wait to be doing it. Um, he's hoping to play football in college. He's probably uh, uh, AI, you know, Division three type of a, a prospect. But he's six five, six five quarterback. Doesn't come around very often. Um, so he's just trying to get some tape out right now. You know, I mean, nobody's seen him play a football game since November of two thousand nineteen. So um, you know, he's really eager to get out there to do uh you know again to show what he's you know been able to uh, build up his game to you know over the last what is it 16 months or so mm-hmm. something like that so um so yeah it's gonna be fun to see how that works out again that's a short season as well six games no playoffs um so because then illinois goes to baseball and and uh, track and also wrestling got pushed all the way back to the spring as well um, as they tried to make sure that every sport could be have some kind of competition in this pandemic year and then we'll hopefully get back to normal next school year and you know get back to the usual schedule um so yeah that was that's that was interesting to get out there um and uh yeah it's it's you know there's so many things we've seen that we never thought we would see that we never seen before and we'll never see again, you know? So, you know, you're going to be around for a lot longer than I am in this business, James, at this point. But, uh, I'm guessing that 
you know, years down the line, you're going to be telling stories about, let me tell you about what happened in 2020, <laughs> you know. So, and what's so, funny is, I, I really feel like, you know, I won't have to embellish anything. Like, <laughs> our lives changed, like, pretty much in a two-week span, seriously. Um, we've gotten to the point now, Mike, where, like, I was watching a show with my mom, This Is Us, um, and they're... Like the shows are catching up to the pandemic. <laughs> like they, they're, they're, they're like in the shows I'm watching with my mom uh, whenever I can. Like they're talking about the onset of the coronavirus pandemic. And in one of the shows, it was saying like, you know, hey, we have to shut down for you know for two weeks. And I and I'm thinking back in my head like, you know, narrator like it was more than two weeks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's it's kind of it's eerie to see that you know it, it's catching up. You know, our, our lives are basically uh, being written about now in, in, in media and uh, in, in movies and, and even in shows and stuff. So, um, yeah, I won't have to embellish anything. It's definitely been a, a, an interesting time. But, um, hey, I, I, I'm just excited that the vaccines are continuing to be rolling out. The numbers are continuing to go down. And I'm hoping that, you know, we never have to go through something like this again for, for quite some time. So. Uh, yeah. po- positive I mean, things, you know, it's trending in the right direction, and I hope that people can just continue to do the right things, so we can continue to, you know, trend in the right direction. Yeah, and uh, you know, this isn't on our list, so I'm going to do a little bit of an ad lib here, but it's not going to be too long before you are talking to Coach Fisher over to Andrean, uh, who is the defending champs. Um, they won it in 2019. There wasn't a season last year, so they're still the defending champs in 2021. And there's a few sophomores on that team, I think, who are back this year. So that'll be that'll be a fun storyline to follow too. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because we're still, you know, we still got a lot of basketball to play, but baseball is right around the corner. So yep. there we go. Um, and uh, kind of a segue there, uh, I was able to do a couple of stories this week. Um, uh, I guess because I'm the old guy on the staff, I'm kind of the historian <laughs> now. Um, and uh, a couple of things coming up, uh, or like actually not coming up, but one thing coming up is the Hammond Sports Hall of Fame virtual induction ceremony. Uh, it's, it is virtual like almost every ceremony that's still going on this year that wasn't canceled. Uh, it's the 35th annual and I talked to Wes Lacocious, who is a former time sports writer, actually former uh, communications chief over what was then Purdue Calumet, is now Purdue Northwest. Uh, he's a steering committee chair for the Hammond Sports Hall of Fame. And Wes told me that uh, they usually start thinking about this and planning it in October. And at that point, they didn't know, number one, if they were going to do it. But they did know if they were going to do it, it wasn't going to look the same. And uh, so basically what they did is uh, they have a six-person induction class uh which is kind of standard for for them and uh they got a uh, they put together a pre-recorded video that is going to launch on uh, the hammond sports hall of fame website and on youtube on march 9th which i guess is next tuesday um and uh the, there are three living and three uh three inductees who have passed away and uh the living inductees uh, all filmed a short video for this and they have representatives of the families of the folks who have passed away. But 
it's going to be an interesting thing. I just want to run down the class real quick. Um, there are two professional baseball players, uh, Mike Coles from Hammond High. He was a three-sports star there and a really good football player in particular, but he wound up playing eight years uh, minor league baseball in independent leagues, including uh, a couple of stints with the Railcats. Um, Trent Howard from Clark, um, who is going, will go down as you know one of the great athletes in Clark history, certainly in Clark baseball history. Um, he played at Central Michigan, um, achieved some success there, and he wound up playing three years in the Baltimore Orioles organization. Um, and then the other inductees, David Pierce, uh, who was a three-sport uh, athlete at Morton Football Wrestling Track, wound up wrestling at Purdue and qualifying for the NCAAs three times. Um, Robert Hack, uh, football, basketball, baseball star at Gavitt, who won 700 games in 38 seasons as a high school basketball coach in Texas and New Mexico. John Novelich, um, who was a football and basketball star at Hammond High, um, played a little bit of minor league baseball, and then uh, spent a lot of time uh, after his playing career as a uh, coach and administrator and youth at courts, sports coach and administrator at Hammond. And finally, Larry O'Bannon, who was another uh, successful basketball player at Hammond High back in the 60s. So that's the class. Um, again, it's good to see this uh, this tradition carrying on. And, uh, you know, uh, for those folks, uh, this week, actually, of course, the, uh, the 3A sectional is at the Civic Center. And uh, it might be worth getting there a little bit early. Um, there is The Civic Center is actually the home to the Hammond Sports Hall of Fame, which makes sense because it's kind of, you know, ground zero for uh, Hammond high school sports for sure and they've got a great display there uh, check it out in the hallways uh, I would definitely recommend that I've been I've checked it out a few times I basically got information on all the inductees over the years and uh, worth checking out and related to that there is a re- there is, here's our segue um, one of the uh, in- past inductees in the 1957 Times Male Athlete of the Year, Irv Cross, passed away on Sunday. He was 81, and uh, it's hard to uh, to really put into words um, how uh, groundbreaking his career was. So he was a great athlete at Hammond High, uh, played football at Northwestern after he left Hammond High. For He was part of Eric Parsegian's first recruiting class. Eric Parsegian, of course, well, you know, wound up being one of the great college football coaches of all time, uh, especially during his run at Notre Dame. Irv played uh, in the NFL after that for the Eagles and the Rams. And if that had been it, I mean, he was a pro bowler twice. I mean, he would have had a great career if that had been the end of it, but it was only the beginning um, because he was hired by CBS. He was, he, He was an assistant coach for the Eagles one year after he retired as a player. So then he was hired by CBS, and he was the first uh, black announcer to be hired um, as a as an analyst by a major network. Um, and that was in 1971. It's kind of hard to believe. I mean, this is you know within my lifetime. Um, and 
there were no there were literally no blacks working at the major networks uh, announcing sports at that time uh, on a regular basis uh, like on, on staff yeah and then and you see you. now where you have staff that are filled with them you know what i mean like right. It's it's funny, know. you know, even in um, you know, on NFL Sundays and things like that, you see so many people of color. So you gotta definitely give that man his flowers for uh, right. you know, breaking breaking down the door and, and letting a lot of, a lot of people in, you know, afterward. And uh, in 1975, um, CBS created the NFL Today, and it's kind of crazy to think about this because everything is instant right now and everything is live up until 1975. The NFL pregame shows were taped on Friday afternoons and then replayed and then played <laughs> on Sunday. These things were not live. I mean, I saw that and I, it just, I didn't, I didn't even know that really until now that they, that, that was the case. But they created this show and, you know, just so many props to CBS because they hired Herb Cross and he was the first black to be a studio co anchor on a program like this. And they also hired Phyllis George, who was the first woman to be a studio co-anchor on a program like this. So that's basically two barriers broken. Um, Irv went on to work, uh, I believe, 14 years in that role. He worked uh, something like 23 years overall for CBS Sports. But uh, And again, um, you know, just a, a, a trailblazer, Brent Musburger, who is, of course, a coach or a broadcasting legend, said that Irv Cross might have been the nicest person he ever met um, because Brett Musburger was actually on that that uh, cast as well. So, I mean, uh, just an absolute uh, giant um, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the representation of um, blacks in the media. And, I mean, and, and he talked about it, too. And I, some of the stories that I read, I did it, read a little bit of background because I wrote a, a, an obituary of him. It's like... He felt um, the weight of uh, the importance of of being of doing a good job because he knew that he was being scrutinized by being the first person in this role, and he felt a great responsibility to do this role justice, basically. And obviously, he did. I mean, he wouldn't have been working in that job for fourteen years um, on that pregame show if he wasn't <laughs> if, if it wasn't working out. Obviously, um, so. Um, you know, and it was, and again, just a trailblazer. I mean, again, you look at all of the, all the pregame, you know, postgame shows, the studio shows, and everything like that. Um, you know, and they're much more representative, obviously, of the country as a whole than they were up until the time Irv Cross came around. So, props to him, um, a Hammond legend, a broadcast legend. Um, you know, passed away at, at eighty-one. Yeah, and then. I guess to kind of uh, cap off this podcast on uh, a lighter note, a uh, well, it depends on who you're rooting for. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> in the spirit of just just talking about something that's a little uh, less heavy, um, I was at the Val- no, Chesterton section on Tuesday covering the game, and then you know, the back of my mind, I knew the Illini had a big game. And boy, did they deliver, Mike. I did, actually goodness. didn't have on an Illini hoodie for the first time in forever. Um, maybe I'll <laughs> keep that trend going and, and just not wear my Illini gear on game days. I don't know if I'm superstitious or not. But either way, um, without our National Player of the Year candidate, uh, Ayo Dosunmu, uh, we smashed Michigan regardless. 
Um, and it, it, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, uh, my family's from Chicago, so they, they know Juwan Howard and, and what he meant to the city um, and, and things like that. And that's the guy you root for unless he's playing my Illini. So, um, Mike, I, know. I don't know if you saw the game. We'll keep it short because it's not a Illini podcast. But uh, nevertheless, um, I mean, to, to be number four in the country, to talk off number two in the country without our best player, um, yeah. yeah, wow. I, that was uh, that was amazing. I guess it was the you know, it was the greatest road win in Illinois history because uh, they'd never beaten a team ranked two or one um, before on the road. And uh, you know, and I want to be a downer here, but you know, as we talked about offline, um, this is also the team that lost to Michigan State with Io, and they broke his know, nose. They did, you know, that's true, but, <laughs> you know, this, 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 this is probably the worst team that Tom Izzo has had in 25 years, and, uh, you know, it's it's hard to, the Illini at times this season have been hard to figure. I mean, I remember I was listening to one game earlier that at Penn State, they went down 19-4 to at Penn State, I mean. Come on, you know well, it's like Mike. We gotta enjoy this, man. We gotta enjoy this because <laughs> I, I, I can't. I, I want to enjoy it, but you know, as I told you, the, the game that I'm really worried about, and I, I don't know, I, I shouldn't even be saying this probably, but I'm gonna say it. It's like the second game NCAA tournament. They're gonna be a number one seed, no doubt about it. Second game, they're gonna play an eight or nine seed, and that's the game that I'm kind of worried about because. That eight or nine seed is going to be a decent team. Obviously, you know they're going to be whatever top thirty-five team in the country. Uh, you know, so they just need to make sure that uh, they take care of business because uh, we're going to the Final Four. And I'm I want to. I, I want to be there. It's going to be in Indiana too. It's like you know, it's going to be right down the street from us, basically. So that's going to be kind of crazy. And also, I guess not to. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, it's gonna be strange to see Indiana hosting the entire NCAA tournament and Indiana not being in the NCAA tournament again. For would this be the fifth or sixth straight year? So I know there's a lot of Hoosier fans that are really unhappy with the way things are going. But shout out to Purdue. Um, Matt Painter's got his very young team playing pretty well, so there will be Indiana representation, but. It doesn't look like the Hoosiers are going to make it. doesn't look like the Irish are going to make it unless they make some kind of miracle run in the ACC. But, uh, yeah, it could be just Purdue um, repping the state of Indiana in the, in the uh, NCAA tournament, along with our Illini. There you go. And on that note, we'll uh, sign off a longer podcast this week. We had a lot of things to cover. Thank you all for supporting us. Um, and, and like I said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, with the awards, none of this stuff is possible without you all um, opening up your lives to us, um, reading our work, sharing our work, and supporting us. So if you like what you see, you like what you read, um, make sure you subscribe to our newspaper and um, support local journalism. We'll check in with you all next time.